Excuse me, I'm expecting a call. Costanza? Yes, I just got a call. Uh, I yell, Cartwright! Cartwright! Just like that. Nobody came up, I hang up. Well, was it for Costanza or... Yes, yes, that's it. Nobody answered. <laughs> was it a woman? Yes, yes. I tell her, you're not here. She said curse word, I hang up. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Yeah, boys, season five of Bibblevask. How good's that? Really good. Season five feels like official. It's like the fifth anniversary. Any multiple of five yeah. feels kind of kind of official and, and, and celebratory. So I'm, I'm stoked. And now what's the deal with episodes is every fifth as well, Steve. That's so, true. Yeah, that's quite, They're quite worth celebrating. They certainly are, yes. It's really great to be back here in the H.E. Pennypacker studios for another season of Bibblevask. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And I'm really pumped to be here again. Uh, thank you so much for your support over the last four seasons uh you know we've heard from many of you you know you've really appreciated the podcast and you're really listening in and enjoying what you're hearing and uh over while i was away in the u.s we uh received a five-star review from the u.s uh so thanks very much for that a five-star review i should say on itunes that's right that was, was really great that was a nice uh yeah nice little message you sent me i think a week or so ago yeah 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 no lovely and uh we've been sort of stepping back a bit from seinfeld not completely because it's not possible <laughs> um so it's uh it's nice to be back in the seat chatting about some secondary characters indeed and I, 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 as I mentioned, I was away for two weeks. I went to the US. I went to the southwest of the United States, so LA, Vegas, and Phoenix in Arizona. Beautiful, beautiful parts of the world there. That's right. What did you get up to? Uh, I launched a radio station. Ah, oh, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I also went to Tassie for a week and a half, which was amazing. I did see a few Seinfeldisms, but not as many as you would have seen. Mm. Uh, the one that comes to mind uh, was a sign, but we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Yeah. As yeah. usual, we cover our Seinfeldisms from the previous week, in this case, the previous five or six weeks. Indeed. And I've got a couple of Seinfeld isms from the US as well, which yep. are really cool. Some so. really good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been privy to those already. <laughs> so uh, it'll Lucky be fun. You. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh, to talk about them a bit more. Yes, we can. If yes. you want to get in touch with us, if you have a Seinfeldism, you can. We have an email address, bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can check us out on our website, bidwabask.com. On social media, just type in B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C on any, uh, uh, any social media platform. And if you want to listen to us or subscribe to us or review us, on uh, any podcast service you can. And finally, we are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. For $2 a month, you can subscribe and you'll receive our normal episodes, being this one, uh, a week early and also uh, access to our Season 10, which we have talked about and we have released a Season 10 preview called The Prologue Mm -hmm. uh, on our normal feed. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can, just to get an idea of what we'll be doing. But basically, we decided late last season, sort of semi-spur of the moment, (laughs) to to write uh, a whole Season 10 uh, as if it was set in 2018 Mm -hmm. with the core four, uh, with all the regular secondary characters, plus a whole bunch of new characters. Yeah, new characters as well, which would be very interesting. Yeah. We'll get to analyse characters that don't exist. Yes, we get to write write them and then analyze them why not <laughs> we'll <laughs> be supply and con- control the whole whole pipeline <laughs> indeed yes and with patreon as well um you can if you give at least one dollar a month you get access to early bidwabask episodes so this episode uh the season five premiere the chinese restaurant uh that's already on patreon but uh, you'll get this on your regular feeds uh, in the next week and that's how we're going to do it from now on that's right so yeah, yeah so just to reiterate uh 
it for a dollar, you can get early access to our normal episodes, our normal feed episodes that are that would appear on any podcast service a week early. Uh, and for two dollars a month or more, you also you get the early episodes of the normal Bidwabaska series, plus uh, access to our season ten uh, series. And there is some more information on the Bidwabas page. <laughs> about season 10 as well and again if you want to go back and sort of get your head around it and get get caught up on where we're at uh, and what we're doing go back and listen to the prologue i think it came out about three weeks ago on our normal feed it'll be there and Stephen, i'm really pumped like i mentioned several times so far in this episode to be back here we're talking about season two episode 11 today the chinese restaurant that's right uh, today's characters bruce the maitre d he's actually has a name can you believe it i didn't i didn't see that Mm, he does uh mr cohen uh, Lorraine, the man on the phone, and the woman on the phone. That's right. Chinese restaurant. So, a seminal episode of Seinfeld, considered the first classic episode of the show, this one. Definitely, and mm. still holds up as a classic. Great episode. It does. I hadn't watched it in a while before uh, preparing for this week's episode, and uh, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, so. re- really good episode, and I can see why it was very pioneering Definitely. as well. Great. You know, it, it, it's one of the only episodes which is set in real time, Yep. but it, it's you know, it's really well done, and I love how they utilised you know every minute. You know, every minute of that episode, something was going on. Yeah, so it was great. There was no basically no downtime. No, no filler. And good. I think the writing's strong enough that even if it wasn't just set in the Chinese restaurant, if they had it on normal sets as well, like Jerry's apartment or Monks or whatever, uh, if it was the same lines and the same sort of direction, uh, I think it still would have been considered a classic because yeah. the jokes are good, the writing's good. Uh, it reveals a lot about characters. Uh, yeah, so the whole thing, set-wise and writing-wise, amazing. And one thing I learned, never go to a toilet where there's no barrier. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in, like, a small studio apartment like Tatiana lived in, uh, yeah, if you want to take a shit, forget it. That, <laughs> Hold it. <laughs> admittedly, I think that was my favourite part of this episode where George is trying to delicately explain the situation he is. Yeah. He was in where he, he basically said... I was about to have sex, and I was more or less going to shit myself. Yeah, yeah he had he a mean trying, case was, of the shits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was—he was satisfying the uh, the the senses in real life, you know, television land. Not saying saying something as heinous as that without actually saying, kind of like the contest. Mm-hmm. He was trying to delicately get around so as not to offend Jerry's delicate sensibilities. But also so that that particular detail and situation could be included on uh, on on television itself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good writing. Yes, and this episode is dedicated to the legend uh, Stan Lee, who actually passed away at the time of recording. I know he's got nothing to do with Seinfeld, but uh, you know he created a lot of very entertaining and marvelous characters. Very good. You know, during his well, time, and uh, you know he he helped you know lay the foundations for uh, pop culture, especially with like comic book heroes and stuff. So uh, that's yeah, right. It's dedicated to you, man. Yep. Yep, absolute legend. Uh, the world wouldn't be where it is or what it is, pop culture-wise, uh, without his uh, genius and uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can kind of link Stanley to this episode indirectly, even though Stanley yeah. created Marvel. Well, he went to a Chinese restaurant. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, DC is, is the is the well-known rival to Marvel. DC is, is, owns uh, Batman, uh, Superman. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and they do reference, they do mention Batman in this episode. So there is sort of a link to the comic book world. Someone, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the so the dedication wasn't completely out of the out of out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's something there at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, something tenuous. Yes, indeed. Anyway, the news desk at HE Penny Packer Studio has been uh, pretty vacant. I've had to brush the cobwebs off. You know, I can't replace this guy. But uh, Stephen's here for the first edition for season five of Seinfeld News. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, 
to kick off season five's Seinfeld news. Uh, quite a few things happen naturally. Usually yep. three or four things happen each week. Yep. Uh, but I didn't want to go through fifteen different items. Oh, it's all right. Save them. Yeah. So I, well, I've selected the sort of four or five most important uh, Seinfeld-related news events over the last month and a half since the end of season four. Uh, first one, uh, Jerry himself has recently announced four London shows as part of his ongoing comedy tour over the last couple of years, especially since his Netflix specials in uh, 2016 and 2017. Uh, he will be performing there in early 2019, uh, four shows at the Hammersmith Apollo, and it's his first shows in the UK. Mm, uh, ever? For, for eight years. Oh, for eight years, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm, okay. which is a long time between drinks, especially when a, a comedian is going to London, mm. which some would consider one of the, if not the major, sort of stand-up comedy capital of the world, mm-hmm, and yeah. one of the culture capitals. So Definitely one of them, yes. Yeah, but then again, he doesn't tour a whole lot, so kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense. And it's funny, because when I was, this isn't a Seinfeldism, but when I was in Vegas, I saw Jerry Seinfeld's picture on the wall of Caesar's Palace. Oh, okay. And I was like, what the hell is Jerry doing here? Turns mm. out he's touring in February. Oh. He's actually got a residency, I think, for a few weeks. Wow. Yeah, he's okay. performing a few times. Cool. Yeah, so mm. that'll be fun. Yeah, that mm. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I still want to see him live at some point. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a while, I think, until he tours Australia because he toured in mid 2016. Yeah, but tickets were so expensive. Yeah. They're like 250 minimum. Yeah, we talked oh, a bit gosh. about that but mm. way back in the early days of Bibble Bass. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. it was sort of all happening around the same time. And uh, yeah. It's just, I didn't want to go enough to 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 pay two hundred dollars at least. Yeah, yeah. But I think I would now. I probably would. Yeah. You, you know? know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, we have more. Obviously, we've always had an appreciation of Jerry and uh, and his show and his content. But you know, we have even more of an appreciation now. For sure. You know. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it works out. Yep. So next bit of Seinfeld news is easily my favorite, yeah. probably ever. Oh top, wow. Top three. <gasps> no. Uh, Surprise this actually, me. This actually came through today. Ah, oh, jeez. Hey. It's always the case, isn't it? Like the best news articles are spontaneous. Yeah. yeah. And it's always hours before we start recording. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, it's been announced that there is a Seinfeld-themed metal band, specifically a genre of metal oh, called grind. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm personally a fan of grind music. It's a very obscure branch of metal, mm-hmm. but uh, it's characterized by its sort of very aggressive, uh, frantic guitars. It's 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 like metal on steroids, I guess. Um, indecipherable guttural vocals, really, really frantic guitars, and a lot of blast beats, really fast drumming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the band itself, and this is probably my favorite part, is called Grindfeld, yes. which makes perfect sense. Yes. Uh, the band itself contains current and former members of Riz- Rivers of Nile, Wretched, Alter Beast, and uh, a couple of other bands. Uh, they have released a new song. It's on their Bandcamp. So if you just go to grindfeld.bandcamp.com, you can listen to the song. It's called The Contest. Uh, <laughs> naturally, all the lyrics uh, from the song and all of their other songs as well uh, just... Seinfeld related yeah so they, yeah. they kind of turn the plot of each episode yeah. into grindy kind of lyrics yeah um, while I'm talking about it bring up try and bring up some lyrics just to read out as an example oh okay sure yeah. well what I was going to say was I actually listened to Grindfeld's The Contest yep and I could imagine I did mention to you I messaged this to you I was like I could imagine this is what it would have been like for the four when they couldn't jack off yeah you know they were probably yep. like rah, rah. yeah yeah, except Kramer because he lasted about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's just funny. It's like I could imagine the, you know, the pent up rage, the frustration. Yeah, it was encompassed into this one show. Yep, yep. Anyway, Grindfeld. I'm trying to find them. Yes. Grindfeld. So the band's mission, and this is directly from them, is making light of the mundane drudgery of average daily life. Is simply a thin veil laid over the nihilistic truths put forth by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld during the quintessential time in our collective generation's upbringing. Uh, they'll also be releasing a five-track EP. Their first EP uh, comes out, I think, late November, early December. 
Uh, it's got five tracks, including the aforementioned uh, The Contest. Yes. Uh, and you can pre-order it. And I believe you can pre-order T-shirts as well, which I'm seriously thinking of doing yeah. uh, on their Bandcamp page. Why not? And uh, other songs include The Soup Nazi, The Limousine, The Bizarro Jerry, and The Letter. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. I can't find any lyrics. Oh, really? If you go to their Bandcamp page. If oh, you, it's if in you, Bandcamp? If, yeah. If you go to Bandcamp.com okay. and type it in. Yeah, I was really happy when I saw this because nice. uh, I love Seinfeld and I love grind music. So yeah, the two yeah, yeah. together, isn't that amazing? Like you found it and it was like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's perfect. That's I thought, awesome. was this band made for me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people felt like that. And it's sort of in line. There are quite a few grind bands that are just joke, you know, fun bands, but they're about a specific pop culture topic. Isn't isn't there one dedicated to Ned Flanders? Yeah, they're called Oakley Doakley. Oakley Doakley. They're not yeah, a grind band. They're more of like yeah. a progressive metal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. There's a grind a grind band from the US called the Grindmother, yeah, and it's just normal grind musicians, but uh, their 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 front person is a maybe seventy or eighty old woman <laughs> who screeches like a demon, and they actually tour, so they're a proper band. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, oh my god, their merch looks awesome. I know. Oh my god, I'm really considering ordering a t-shirt. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I want to get one too. Yeah, yeah, or wear them for sure. <laughs> Did you pull up the lyrics? No, I can't find them. Man. So if you on the on the main page, yeah, I'm on the main camp. Yeah, yeah. So next to the song. If, yeah. you, if you hover over the song link, oh, it should come up yeah. with lyrics on the side there. Like uh, a little li- lyrics, like a little link for oh, lyrics. Oh, lyrics. Yeah, here yeah. we go. Here we go. Um, so just read the first verse. Okay. There's a bit of swearing on here. Sorry. That's okay. A fucking hostage changed, changed to the floor. Hours, days, months, years. Keep it clean, strip nude. It happened. She caught me at my weakest. I was alone. <laughs> Temptation overtakes as I treat my body like an amusement park. <laughs> Dreams of pleasure, screams in horror. Save her or save myself. <laughs> I, I sit tough. <laughs> it's so good. Break your back and sense of pride. I'm sick as fuck. Vow of celibacy, a friendly wager. I know I'm better than you. You'll be out before we get the chair. <laughs> Yeah, they're great. That's so good. So, uh, yeah, no doubt we'll talk about the EP when it comes out. I might even give a little review. Ah, oh, nice. It yes. actually, it's like the, the plot of the episode in, in the lyrics. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. yeah. But it's stylized in the way of grind lyrics, which are just short and sharp, <laughs> really, you know, four, five, six word sentences. It's not sort of overly poetic or, or descriptive. It's just a list of things that are happening, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I was so happy when I read about it and I sent it to everyone I thought it was uh, relevant to and every single person, including you, was like, oh my God, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's sick. It's so it's, good. It's about time Seinfeld and metal came together, you know? Indeed. It's been indeed. a while. There has been bands who've referenced Seinfeld, but as I, as far as I know, um, and I think I would know because I'm a massive fan of music and also of Seinfeld, this is the first purely Seinfeld-related band of any interview. genre. We've got to get an interview with them. Somehow. That that would be fun. Somehow. That's it. <laughs> yep. So anyway, moving on from the Grindfeld worship. That's too good. A <laughs> uh, bit bit of sad news. Um uh, a few weeks ago the uh the the the, the news came out that uh, Emma Louis Dreyfus, the uh, sister of Julia, actually passed away. That's right, yes. Yeah. So uh it was revealed that uh she died from a drug and alcohol overdose. Um she was found dead at a campsite in the South Ube. Yuba River State Park mm-hmm. uh, in California. I believe she went for a hike. Yeah. And she was missing uh, and they found her body. Very sad. Yeah. Mm, so, she was so young too. Yeah, that's right. So um, I'm not too sure if Julia and her were close. Yeah. Um, Julia didn't really, hasn't really commented on it. Uh, she hasn't released a press statement or anything. So it's obviously a private matter if they were. Yeah, I hear that they're not that close. But Okay. Yeah, that's just me. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, look, admittedly, I didn't do a lot of research into it, um, but obviously, it's worthy of inclusion because uh, it's it's you know it's sad news, and we both love Julia. Yeah, we do so so much. So so, so much. Yep. Yeah, um, obviously, a very tough year for Julia in many many ways. So <laughs> not wrong. This uh, this just adds to it. So mm. yeah. Anyway, very somber news to finish off. That's right. Seinfeld news for this week. Actually, one more piece. Oh, there's one more piece. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Something more uplifting. That's hopefully. right. Yep. yep. So this week saw the premiere of a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode called The Gang Does a Clip Show. Uh, it's a subversion of the old sort of style clip show montage shows. Um, and the episode actually sees the the, the, the cast of It's Always Sunny uh, inc- incorrectly remembering vent- events that happened in their past. Yeah, yeah. So they're sort of <laughs> gaslighting themselves in a way. <laughs> nice. Uh, and making up new memories in the process. Uh, it's been compared to, I haven't seen it, but it's been compared to South Park City on the Edge of Forever episode. Okay. It's a similar premise where they're remembering events in the past, but, but they they've, didn't e- have they've, it. E- e- they've each got their own very different memories of, of certain events. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, in the episode, they uh, they create their own shot-for-shot remake, again, of the contest. It's very uh, topical in this Seinfeld <laughs> news. Of course. Uh, of, the, of, the, of the scene where... Uh, George, George gets is with caught. his parents. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so Frank, so the Frank from It's Always Sunny, not from um, not, not from, from Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. He's appearing as George. D is appearing as Elaine. Charlie becomes Kramer, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and Mac and Dennis uh, perform two versions of Jerry Seinfeld. It's it's really cool. It's on <laughs> really YouTube, cool. and we'll that. include the link as well as a link to all the other articles and uh, to to Grindfeld's uh, Bandcamp page. Fantastic. Uh, in the show notes for the episode. So that's uh, that's this week's episode of Seinfeld News. Awesome, Steve. Should we take a quick break? Yep. And uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the secondary characters from what's considered to be the first ever classic episode of Seinfeld, The Chinese Restaurant. Hello. We are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law, and uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, coming straight back from a very uh, rollercoaster-y Seinfeld news. Yeah. Straight into uh, a synopsis of this week's episode, the Chinese uh, restaurant. Yeah, there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows. That's right. Which is good. Yeah. Um, anyway, episode synopsis, the first one for this season of Bibbubask, Chinese Restaurant. Season 2, episode 11. First aired in the US, May 23rd, 1991. And yes, you're probably wondering, episode 11? I'll explain in a minute why that's the case. Because it's actually played at the end of season 2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, directed by Tom Sharona, is written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry, George and Elaine decide to eat dinner without a reservation at a Chinese restaurant before seeing a one-night showing of Plan 9 from Outer Space. The maitre d', played by James Hong, the character's actually credited as Bruce, funnily enough, uh, repeatedly tells the party that they'll receive a table in five, ten minutes. Besides having only a short time until the movie begins, they have no other worries. Oh, I mean, they have other worries, I should say. Jerry previously lied to his uncle, who I thought was Uncle Leo. Well, they never say Uncle Leo, no, but, I, but I think it is Uncle Leo. It's probably Uncle Leo. Yeah. Um, I don't remember him having any other uncles. No, I don't think so either. Or n- never any that are mentioned anyway through the series. Or maybe he's like a proto-Leo. Maybe. Proto-Leo. <laughs> proto-Leo. Um, he previously lied to his uncle, we'll say Uncle Leo, saying he couldn't join him for dinner. He prefers to see the movie, yet feels guilty. He notices a woman, played by Judy Kane at the restaurant he's seen before, but can't remember who she is. When the woman greets Jerry, he remembers that she is uncle's receptionist named Lorraine Catalano and becomes upset, knowing that she'll tell his uncle who'll spread the story on the family grapevine. 
George is anxious because the night before, he left his girlfriend Tatiana off screen uh, during sex because he needed to use a bathroom and thought hers was too close to her bedroom to provide enough privacy. <laughs> there wasn't even a hallway or it wasn't an alcove, you see. <laughs> he wants to call Tatiana to invite her to join them, but the restaurant's payphone is first occupied by a man, Michael Mitz, who ignores George, and then by a woman who's rude to him. By the time George gets to the phone, Tatiana has left, so she he leaves a message. Tatiana calls the restaurant to reach George, but the maitre d' calls out, Cartwright! George doesn't recognise this as a mispronunciation of his surname, so he tells her that George is not there. Elaine is extremely hungry. Jerry dares her to take an egg roll from someone's plate and eat it, offering her $50 to do, to do so. Elaine approaches a table and offers to split the $50 50-50 with the party. As she softly speaks the offer, they fail to comprehend her. <laughs> I love how she's got, like, gritted teeth. Yeah. And she's, she's, like, talking. She's basically a ventriloquist. A ventriloquist, yeah. The first couple of seconds I watched it, I thought it was her inner monologue. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. other than Jerry, her inner monologue is the, the, the you know, the one that's most on the show. And then I'm like, hang on a minute. She's talking directly to them. She's not yeah. talking to herself. And I'm then sure I that like- was in post-production. Was it? I reckon she talked. Yeah. I reckon that was like a post. Because, you know, there's some letters like you can't really say when you're talking like yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, it was too clear too to clear. be. She's either an amazing ventriloquist yeah. or what you said. And probably what you said makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think she probably did the voiceover in yeah. post-production. Yep, yeah. yep. But it sounds good, though. Yeah. Uh, she awkwardly walks away and laughs off at her attempt. Uh, Elaine tries bribing the maitre d' to give them a table immediately, but he fails to pick up on her hints. Elaine is still ravenous, but refused to eat concession stand food at the movie theatre. Or refuses to eat concession stand food. Uh, after missing Tatiana's call, George decides he's no longer in the mood for the movie. Elaine wants to leave and get a hamburger at Skyburger. And des- Jerry decides that he might as well have dinner with his uncle. As soon as they leave, Bruce calls their party. Seinfeld? Seinfeld? Four? Indeed. Yeah. Other secondaries include David Tress. He played Mr. Cohen, who gets a table after entering the restaurant and before the game, as well as the various wait staff and patrons at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Mm, that group of five. How much of an asshole is Mr. Cohen, though? Yeah. He just sort of pushes on in and, yeah, yeah he's a bit of a prick. He's like, oh, I was trying to find somewhere else to eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Yep. Yeah. They've just got to humour him to keep him happy. Basically, yeah. He's probably a very loyal customer. Because he lives on Park Avenue. He must be quite wealthy. Yeah, which is just down the road. Yeah. From from the restaurant. And I'm sure we'll talk about Mr. Cohen, you know, when we, when he comes up. Yeah, I think yeah, we will. Right. I've got a few notes on him. Yeah, me too. Do you have any episode trivia? Uh, I do, actually. Seven pieces. Wow. <laughs> so, I guess we'll go one by one. Yeah. Um, Considered to be the first classic episode of the series, The Chinese Restaurant. At the time of airing, it received a very positive review from TV audiences and critics. Okay, yep. Uh, I have that one as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, at uh, interestingly, at one point in the episode, I can't recall where Jerry mentions having a sister. However, she's never mentioned again in the series. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's the only episode where she mentions. Where does she mention? Her. Where does he mention her in this episode? Oh, so what happens is he talks about where, like, what will happen when his uncle finds uh, out about him. Yep, yep, yep. Blowing him off for dinner. All the phone you know, calls and what he has to do. It'll be like with. it'll go to this, and then it kind of cuts to a commercial, and then it comes back from commercial, and he's like, "And my he's sister," and then this. Right. And, yeah, it's basically saying it's like Italians. Yeah, like you tell one person, and then. 800 people in the family will find out. Yep. I guess it's the same for the Jewish community. Sure. I suppose. Fair enough. So, yeah, and then the sister just comes in. Right. And then she's right. never mentioned again. Yeah. Yeah. In 1998, the South Florida Sun Sentinel wrote that this episode, along with the contest, broke new sitcom ground. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Because it was done in real time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the episode itself wasn't considered uh, very highly uh, by the NBC executives. That's right, yeah. They weren't too happy with the episode, and it wasn't until Larry David himself threatened to quit 
if the network forced uh, any changes on the episode, they wanted to sort of rewrite it and probably bring Kramer in and some familiar, familiar set pieces. Um, but when he threatened to quit, they, they uh, acquiesced. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have the Chinese restaurant, which is what we're talking about. We sure do. Yep. And uh, you're probably wondering, one of the voices from the... Uh table at the restaurant, you know, where Elaine tries to get the egg roll. Sounds yeah. very familiar. Mm-hmm. One of them is Larry David's voice. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I recognise that voice. I'm like, oh. hang on. <laughs> That's Larry David. That's Larry David. You very think distinct. they would have just used the actors' voices? Yeah. Because there were just six actors sitting around. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? What other trivia do you have? Uh, this is one of two episodes without Kramer. The yep. other one is The, the pen. pen. Take that pen. Indeed, yes. Um, and also, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, that movie, it's actually a real movie. It's not one of those fake movie titles yeah it's considered to be one of the best worst like best so bad bad. it's good movies yeah that's right it's a 1959 independent black and white science fiction film directed by the notorious ed wood okay uh yeah it's considered by many as the quintessential so bad it's good film yep uh the film was panned for its poor special effects even back in the 1950s uh poor production values and it's weird story okay Mm. have you seen it yeah i have i actually have a dvd copy of it oh wow yeah it's really it makes no sense right yeah What's what's the general gist of it? It's just like aliens invading. Okay. And then there's like a government conspiracy. It's, it's really... Is the government conspiracy Plan 9? I'm not sure. No, okay. <laughs> I've watched it in ages, but it's just really... It's incoherent, and the special effects are just terrible, and they there's like... You see a lot of like boom mics in the camera shot. Really? You know, like real shitty production values. You see actual... The, yeah, yeah, the, the, actual the boom, boom mic mics drop. come yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wow. see yeah, That's like shots. fast forward full frontal level production. It is, production. yeah, yeah. It's like fast forward full frontal, but with like with irony though. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I've got to watch I it. I mean, like, without the irony. Yeah, without the irony. Without the without irony. Without the parody, without the irony. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I've got to lynch you the DVD. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've just got to get a DVD player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm, I could watch a... I'm uh, sure it'll be on YouTube. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Why don't we talk about some secondary characters? We sure should. Uh, Bruce, the maitre d'. His name isn't actually mentioned, but he's credited as Bruce. Where did you find that out? Uh, IMDB. Okay. Yes. Hmm. So, he's credited as Bruce. The Fair character. enough. Even though he's known, at the time, he was known as maitre d', but then they gave him a name. Yeah. Uh, Played by American actor James Hong, uh, known for appearing in Big Trouble in Little China and The Day the Earth Stood Still. And uh, he also lent his voice for those kids out there who listen. Uh, He lent his voice as Mr. Ping in the Kung Fu Panda animated series. Huh. He also made an appearance in Wayne's World 2. He did, yes. uh, And Blade Runner. He did. Yeah. So uh, an impressive list of credits as far as I'm concerned. Yes, indeed. Especially Big Trouble in Little China. And Wayne's World 2. Yeah, (laughs) both excellent movies. Yes. Um, And Stephen, he's one of the founders of the East West players are the oldest Asian American theatre in Los Angeles hmm. and he's currently 89 years old and still alive yep. as a recording. Yep, born yeah. in uh, February 1929. Yeah, still indeed. kicking. Still going well. Did I didn't take notice does he have any recent credits or has he sort of wound down his acting uh, career? I thought he had a few in the last couple of years but okay. very minimal yep. but um, I think one of his most recent credits was Mr. Ping Okay. Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda. Right. I think is that, is when Mr. did Kung Fu Panda come out? Like, maybe like 10 years ago? 10 years, yeah, maybe, 2008. Maybe That's seven, the one with Jack Black, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. But I've he's played Mr. Ping in like subsequent Kung Fu Panda movies, and okay. I think there's like an animated TV show, and he's right. in that as well. Okay. So he plays Mr. Ping. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I think that's his trainer, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of Bruce? What Bruce, do you think of Bruce? I liked him. Yeah. Uh, he's a very, I think he's um he's a very hard business, like hard businessman. Like he works hard, I should say. Yeah. Um. He He's really, he doesn't really crack too many jokes like he has a bit of humor but i think his focus is mostly on the restaurant and making sure everything runs properly yep like i think he he either owns like he 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 created the restaurant or maybe it's passed down 
like you know you get a lot of Chinese restaurants where it's passed down the generation so maybe yep. his father or grandfather started it maybe Chinese immigrants who came here in like the 20s or 30s you yep. know and they started and then he kind of mm. took it over you know maybe it's one of those kind of situations mm-hmm. um, that's usually the case with uh, Chinese restaurants yep yeah um, yeah definitely a hard-working man you know, he, he, he likes orderly things, you know. Very, very by the book, so Very to speak. by the book, yeah, exactly. Kinda by the like, reservation Kind of like the soup Nazi without the insults. Without the know? aggression. Yeah, without the aggression. Yeah. 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 He's like, that's a good, I think that's a, a reasonable comparison. He's, he's, a, he's a polite, professional, mostly affable soup Nazi. Yeah, that's very, right. very like militaristic in, in terms of how he runs things, mm-hmm. but without the aggression and anger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. At first, I didn't like him very much. I thought, ah, oh, this guy's giving me the shits. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on the second and then third watch, I really did like him. Yeah, me too. One thing I wanted to ask you, mm. do you think he is aware of the fact that he's not letting the Seinfeld through? Because he always sort of acts a bit kind of not completely connected to what's going on moment to moment. He seems um, a bit disconnected. Do you think he's... That's a that's a, an avoidance technique for people saying, "Hey, like you're skipping us in line," yeah. or he's just genuinely a bit like so focused on the reservations that he kind of like when people complain to him like a like Elaine does or try to bribe him, it just doesn't register because he's so so he's so focused, focused on, on that. List. Yeah, I, I, so I couldn't tell whether it was him. You know how like you know how there's the the sort of the the stereotype that old people when they say that they're hard of hearing. They're probably not hard of hearing, mm. but they're just choosing to ignore a it's lot of stuff because they, hearing. yeah, because they yeah. just don't care anymore. They're yeah. ninety-three years old, kind of like that, where it's like I'm going to pretend to not really understand what's going on, so I can get away with being a bit of a bit of a bit of a dick. Well, no, you know what I mean. Or if it's just him, just not even grasping what's happening from moment to moment. Yeah, and you know, and then. He just does his own thing anyway. That's what I thought at first. Like, I thought he was deliberately trying to avoid them and stuff. But yeah. then when I thought about it some more, I think he's really focused on the names on the list. Mm. You know, like even, for example, when some, uh, like a couple or whatever get in front of them and Jerry goes, hey, these people, were they actually in front of us? Yep. He has to talk to the wait staff, like the yeah. waitress, for like 30 seconds. And then they go, oh, no, they were here before you. That's true. I, I think he's more focused, like like you said, on the names on the list rather than the people. Yep. Like I don't think he kind of registers faces. Per yeah. se. He's not really a customer service focused kind of guy. I reckon he just kind of looks at the names and goes, all right, you know, Smith, two, all right. Let's make sure there's two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the I don't think he was giving him the cold shoulder though. No. Okay. At first, I thought they he didn't, but no, yeah, I don't think he did. I'm I'm the same. At first, I thought he was being kind of a dick. Yeah. And for some reason, he just didn't like the uh, the the three of them. Yeah. And he was just letting people ahead. Um. But then, right at the end, what made me realize that he wasn't was you know right at the end when he calls out the name, the very last line in the very last scene. If he was being ignorant. Or a dick. Um, oh, sorry. If he was only being a dick and yeah. not just being ignorant or or just unaware of you know the situation as they saw it. Yeah. I don't think it would have politely and friendly called out Se- uh, uh, Seinfeld because he goes Seinfeld for yeah. Like he's he's looking around expecting them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then there. and then the credits roll. And they've already been pissed off. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think if he was trying to annoy them or just deep like prioritize them down the list for whatever reason. 
he wouldn't have politely called out their name. He would have seen them leave and go, well, well they're gone. Great, cool. One less problem yeah. I have to deal with. Plus, I, I assume as well it would have been maybe a Saturday night because there were a few people there and they went to see, like, they were going to go see Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yep. So I'd imagine it would have been probably, like, Saturday night, Friday, maybe, Saturday, like, yeah. 8, 9 p.m. You yep. know, like, I'd imagine Plan 9 from Outer Space would be, like, one of those midnight cult screenings. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be, like, a... Yeah. You know, something you play at five in the afternoon. Yeah. So I'd imagine it was probably like eight or nine at night. Mm-hmm. And maybe Elaine usually has dinner at like six or seven. Yeah. She was starving. Yeah. So yep. that kind of makes sense. So, so, you know, Bruce wanted to make sure that everyone was catered for. And yeah, I think, I guess one way you can look at it as well is maybe he focuses or he, he has a preference for the locals. Mm. Like Mr. Cohen, he just gives him a table. Yeah. The other people, he gives them tables. Maybe they're frequent. Because I don't think Jerry and Elaine have ever been to that Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Because I, I think they go to a part of town in New York where they go to see Plan 9 from Outer Space or where mm. they want to go see it, but it's like another part of town they don't go to, like Park Avenue. Yep. So, you know, maybe Bruce has his locals or his regulars and he's like, oh... He's, he's got to look friends. after them first. Maybe, maybe. No, I think that's fair. Maybe. I mean, it's one way you can look at it too. Another yeah. Way. yeah. And every time they showed the, the, the actual seats in the restaurant, it looked fully booked. So I think he can afford to be a bit dismissive of newer customers. Yeah. Whether it's willful or not, he's got such a loyal, uh, you know, um, devoted following of his restaurant. And he's got so many people lined up to eat. Like, yeah. what's he going to lose from those four people? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He'll and just it, fill yeah. those four seats with someone else. Yeah, he will right away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, at, yeah. At first I didn't like him, but then uh, when I watched the episodes again, uh, the episode again, I did like him. Yeah. 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 Not not like like like, but I didn't hate him. No, probably the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I liked him. Yep. Yeah, he's good good character. Do you have anything else about Bruce? Um, well, I guess he's just like I mentioned, very hardworking. Probably had the restaurant passed down to him from his mm-hmm. father or grandfather. Um, yeah, he's just really regimental, and uh, he he focuses on the list. And uh, yeah, he, he I imagine they serve really good food. Yep. Because there's a lot of people that turn up. Yeah. Yeah. I think he comes from. Uh, impoverished backgrounds yeah because he was very impressed by communist china yeah Yeah, you know a lot of immigrants obviously were escaping poverty and and lack of opportunity and and pretty horrible situations to Mm -hmm. come to america for a better life as a lot of people do um because at first i thought he was just purely humoring mr owen you know like i'm sure mr cohen sorry mr cohen not mr owen I'm sure you've had those people in your life where you sort of put on put on a a, a smiling face. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You indulge them and humor yeah, them, yeah. but privately you think you don't really like them. Yeah, you don't like them. I think it's probably the same with him and Mr. Cohen. Well, that's what I yeah. thought at first, but after Mr. Cohen goes in, he's well out of earshot. He's still very praise. Like he, he gives Mr. Cohen a lot of praise. Oh, he does. Like he yeah, lives, he, he doesn't lives give on, him the culture. Yeah, right? he lives on he lives on Park Avenue. Like, yeah. isn't that great? So yeah. think he doesn't have to praise him when he's gone. Yeah, you know, if he was faking it, he wouldn't praise him. That's I right. Think. So maybe he's just like a humble guy. Overall. Yeah. 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 So the fact that he He sees the positives in everything. Yeah. yeah. And his first point of praise for Mr. Cohen is the fact where he lives. Yeah. Which to me means he's impressed by his wealth or status or whatever. I'm not familiar with New York or Manhattan, but I'd Park, imagine Park Avenue. Park Avenue is quite yeah. a, you know, ritzy. Oh, okay. Upmarket. Yeah. Part of uh, part of New York. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the fact that that's his first point of praise to me s- makes it seem like he, he appreciates wealth. He yeah, maybe that's what he's you know, that's his aspiration. I'm maybe sure he's I'm already sure, there. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm he sure makes he, so much money from the restaurant. I'm sure he does very well, yeah, yeah. but I think that still he still admires people who are wealthy because he came from little to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so financial wealth and freedom is something he's always aspired to if yeah. he's not there already. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't really have anything else to say. No, that's it. That's it for Bruce. For sure. The maitre d'. Yes. <laughs> Why don't we talk about Mr. Cohen? We shall. Played by David Tress, known for appearing in Missing in Action and 
Mr. Cohen reminded me so much of, uh, like, annoying punishers who I used to serve when I worked in hospitality a long, oh, long yeah. time ago. Why Just, is this food shit? No. What's no, no. this dung you served me? No, no, no. Not, 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 <laughs> not as of, insulting. Yeah. Just bad jokes that you have to laugh at oh, just to okay, keep them yeah. happy because they think that they're funny and original yeah but they're the 27,000th person who said it yeah the most common example I can give you is uh, do you come with the meal <laughs> no that's no. close uh, would you like any sugar with that coffee no mate I'm, I'm sweet enough <laughs> oh, yeah. that one uh, how would you like to pay for that? I don't know. I'll ask the boss when a guy, when a middle-aged husband is referring to his wife, his wife or yeah. the ball and chain. No. Or the third one, the most annoying one, is uh, check savings or credit. Savings, more like slavings. <laughs> <laughs> or more like spendings. <laughs> I, I never heard of that one. Uh, Jeez, you got savings that account, more, the, more like spendings. I, I you got that a lot from old white men. <laughs> I, yeah, mostly middle-aged dads nice. who thought that they were funny and original and no one had ever said that joke before. Nice. And I, I'm quite a proud pacifist. I don't like violence, but I had very many <laughs> violent visions of just like, you know, in the... In, just wanting to like yeah, to, wrap to the, the F-Boss machine around this. Oh, like jump, jumping over and just bashing them with a, with a bat over the head or something and being nice. like, you're not funny. <laughs> you're the fourth person who said it in the last hour. Save this motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are you going to use your card now that the F-Boss machine's in your mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Know. Or in my other orifice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sideways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just the oh, savings, more like slavings. Oh, 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 oh. It's like, get fucked. What's, what's Butthead doing here? Yeah. yeah. Old Butthead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he reminded me a lot of that where where Bruce, you know, he probably hears the same dumb jokes yeah. every single time he turns up. Mm-hmm. But he has to humour him to keep him happy. That's right. Because he spends a lot of money. He spends a lot of money, yes. And, yeah. and, you know, he's in there regularly. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he, he obviously makes Mr... You know, the sea bass... You know, Mr. Cohen loves the sea bass special. Yep. So, you know, he comes in and loves his bass and he they've eats got the to shit in, out of it. They've got to indulge his bad jokes just to keep him happy. They have to, yes. And uh, I assumed that Mr. Cohen was some sort of businessman. Yeah, I think so, Or something too. like that, some sort of executive. So, I'm sure he brings a lot of uh, business prospects there. Mm-hmm. Wines them and dines them for business as well. Yeah, I'd say so. So, it's not only Mr. Cohen's business, it's the extra business that he would bring in, which would give them another reason to humour him, even though his jokes have been heard a thousand times and they probably go, <laughs> uh, They're done. They're done. Yeah. Do you reckon he was going in there and then he was waiting for business people? Or do you think he just went in for a quick meal? I think he went in there just on his own. Yeah. Saturday okay. night. Yeah. You know, he probably... Uh, Had a big day. Had a big day, maybe. Yeah. Um. I don't think he does business on uh, on a Saturday. Yeah. Monday to Friday. He's a he's an M to F. Right. Eight hours a day, man. Yeah. Five and two. Nine to five clocker. Nine to five, five and two. Yeah. That's Mr. Cohen. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else about him? Uh. Well, I just think he's a real. Uh, I don't know. I just think some of his jokes are really rude. Yeah. You know, like saying, "Oh, what's this crap?" Or mm. you know, like, "Oh, just you want a table? Oh, I'll just have it here." Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't know some of these jokes are insulting. Yeah, know? definitely it's really rude. Yeah, even if even if they are in jest. Yeah, you, know, you got to be considerate and respectful. Yeah, you know you can't say a- someone's place is crap. Yeah, because you haven't been here for two weeks. Yeah, you know that's a bit yeah. harsh. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, I found him a bit uh, grating and a yeah. tiny bit arrogant. Very condescending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't like him much. Not at all. No. Nah. All right, next character. Let's talk about Lorraine Catalano. Yeah, played by actress and acting coach Judy Kane. Uh, known for her appearances in TV shows Mad Men, ER, The Fosters, and Hand of God. Uh, she's won numerous awards for teaching at her own studio called Keep It Real Acting Studios, uh, as well as authoring several books, including the commercial acting handbook, I Booked It. <laughs> so she's more known for her uh, acting coaching That's right. rather than her acting. 
And in terms of her credits, she has appeared in over 120 uh, TV and film projects, which is impressive. And 400 commercials. Over 400 commercials. Right. I think that's the first time uh, that's been noted in, in all of the actors that we've talked about mm, over 70-odd yeah, yeah. episodes of, uh, well, 77 of episodes of uh, Bidwa Bask. Yeah. That's the only time it's been mentioned. Huh. You know, a lot of them mention TV and film, and then sometimes they'll say voice work. Or, or maybe theatre. Theatre. You know, yeah. you know, less less uh, known uh, types of acting. But, yeah, first time commercials have been mentioned. There you go. Yeah. Well, a few other characters or people have been in commercials, like John O'Hurley, yeah. Peterman. Yeah, but not 400. Stuff. No, not 400. Just, uh, no. just a, a commercial here and there. Just one shitty .com yeah. startup company one. From 1996. <laughs> yeah. Cutting edge back then. Yeah, it was, yeah, indeed. Oh, I've got to find that and rewatch it. Yeah, I know. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And I love how he's dressed as Peterman. Yeah. It's perfect. He just perfect. is Peterman. He is Peterman, yeah. yeah. Indeed. Lorraine, yeah. So, you know... Works really hard. Works for Jerry's uncle. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, I think, was she the receptionist? Wasn't she? I think or the receptionist the PA or, or something. Yeah, or something Personal like assistant, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, really humble, humble person. Knows obviously knows Jerry through uh, through his uncle. Yep. Um, do you think she'd like tattletale to the uncle? Uh, or she? I don't think she'd make a big deal of it. I don't. Well, I don't. I reckon she like she'd she go see the uncle. We'll say Uncle Leo. Yeah, we'll just say it's Uncle Leo. I reckon she goes to Uncle Leo and say, "Hey, guess who I saw is Jerry." Yeah, but I think Leo would make a big deal of it. But I think oh, she'd yeah. be like, eh, "You know, he was there." Jerry makes a big deal over everything. You know, he places himself at the center of every situation. Yeah, he's that- worried that the family, everyone from New York to Florida to somewhere else, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, going to find out. Yeah, so yeah. I-, I think she would have just mentioned it in passing. Oh, by the way, I saw your nephew out. And then, uh, you know, Uncle Leo would have gone, oh, really? Where was that? But she wouldn't have done it intentionally because no, she had no idea so. that Jerry uh, lied to her. Yeah. Lied, sorry, lied to him. Yeah, lied to him, yeah. Yeah, so if she did spill the beans, it was completely by accident. Yeah, you know? of course. And I don't think she would have been aware of the uh, the many phone calls and the, the complex <laughs> grapevine <laughs> of uh, complaints and concern it would have caused. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Look, there's nothing really more about her that no, I have. I don't have anything either, really. But, uh, no, she seems pleasant. Yep. I don't think she's got a bad bone in her body. No. I don't think she would have gone up to Uncle Leo and been like, hey, guess what? No. Your dickhead nephew, I saw him at the restaurant, you know. Well, I mean, she obviously liked Jerry. She yeah, talked to him very politely and, she, you know, if she didn't like him at all, she wouldn't it was she all like, have avoided yeah, him. It was all like small talk, though. Yeah. It's like house things, oh, you know. Yeah. Doing Still working stuff. around. Still, yeah, yeah. The things, yeah. Still working around. Yeah. Same stuff. It was very boring. Yeah, very boring, very dry. Yeah. I think she was uh, on a date as well. I'm just going to assume oh, she, you was, think on she was on a date. date? Yeah, okay. why not? All right, yeah. Why not? There was someone else there. Yeah, there was a guy that she was sitting with, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say it's a date. Yeah, cool. She was on a date. She was on a date. You go, girl. You go, girl. You get that date. <laughs> you get that dick. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Man <laughs> on phone, played by Michael Mitz. Known for appearing in 30-something, VIP, and Charmed. VIP, that has Pam Anderson in Pam it. Pam Anderson, yeah, he was garbage in an episode film. of that. A very garbage film and TV series. Oh, was it a TV series was, as well? Yes, oh, indeed. wow. It was. Uh, now, man on phone. At first, you think he's a dickhead just yeah. by being on the phone. But he ends up apologising to George, saying, sorry, I was on the phone for long. Do you reckon his phone conversation was quite serious? I reckon it was possibly like a breakup or a divorce or maybe he was having legal trouble or something and he had to, like, call. Because, you know, he George tries to talk to him, but he deflects, you know? Well, he doesn't even... He looks he at him, but he doesn't even verbally acknowledge him. But do you think it's, like, a serious matter he yeah. was talking about on the phone? I think that's probably um, what it is. Yeah, so I didn't think of that, but now that I am, I think it was serious, but it was resolved on that phone call. It was. That's why he, he felt walk, better. He walks yeah. out quite relaxed and he apologises to George. Yeah, he said, sorry I was on the phone for so long. Yeah, so I think uh, if it was unresolved or if it got worse... By him talking on the phone, I don't think he would have thought of gone. Oh, should I should apologise to that guy for taking so long on the phone? You know, he, he would have been distracted. Shirt with his matching socks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I think 
before he made the phone call, he had something to resolve or some sort of issue, whatever it may be. Mm. I think that's what it was too. Yeah, it was yeah. resolved on the call. The call solved the problem. Uh, and then he felt relieved. And then he thought, oh, there's that guy I kept brushing off. I better go apologize to him because that's, you know, that's a nice thing to do. Kind of like Bruce at first. Yeah, I thought he was rude. But then, you know, when he apologizes, you're like, oh, wait, he was just, he might have been rude you know, based on social norms in that moment of George yeah. wanting to use the phone and he kind of just looks at him and ignores him, but he wasn't intentionally being rude. I love when George uses his, we're living in a society line, yeah. you know, for the first time. I mean, there's a, this level of civility that we must follow, <laughs> you know, when the, the lady when the lady takes the phone and he's going on his rant and suddenly the guy goes up to him and says, oh, sorry for using the phone for so long. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's like, okay. That's okay. <laughs> you know, puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, that's okay. Typical George, he gets yeah. angry. And then when he has an opportunity to like directly speak to someone, he just backs down completely. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, that's all I have about him. Yeah, me too. Do you have anything else about anyone else? Uh, woman on phone. Okay. The one who, you know, George says, I've been standing here for 10 minutes. Yep. If you've been standing here for 10 minutes, you'd be on the phone, <laughs> which is <laughs> that's, true. You know? That's the same argument. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Yeah. I think she's very, uh, well, she's, first of all, she's played by Kate Benton. Uh, she's known for appearing in uh, the film Toys, as well as the TV shows Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt and the Larry Sanders Show. Okay. Um. Yeah. No, I, I think she's very witty. You know, like George, you know, she goes to get the phone. George is standing like 10 feet from the phone. Mm. You know, she goes to the phone just as George is about to grab. And George is like, I've been standing here for 10 minutes. Yep. You know, yep. and then she's like, oh, well, if you were, you'd have to be on the phone, wouldn't you? Just a very assertive woman. Yeah. Just doesn't take any shit. No, she doesn't. Takes what she wants. Exactly. Good on her. Good on her. Yes. That's, I didn't have anything else about her. No, me either. Yep. I, I had no notes on Tatiana. Did you have anything? Uh, the only thing I mentioned was that she... Russian? I'm guessing Eastern Russian, European. Eastern European. Yeah. I didn't have that, but that makes sense. Um, and that she, I, I think she's quite attractive. I'm going to assume she, she is too. because George is very like surprised that she's still with him. Do you she's a ballerina? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe she's like immigrated from, uh, you know, Russia. She's trying to make it. She's <laughs> like a gym, like in a gym company or a ballet company. She works for the Bolshoi Ballet Company. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I think she is surprised. I don't think she has many men walking out on her pre about to have sex because she's very surprised she's yeah. like really yeah so and it's not because of her looks or anything because no just, no no he had to take a dump yeah really bad a real bad dump and there was no barrier in the toilet no, the no toilet buffer zone the, no buffer zone yeah that's right <laughs> yeah so i think she would be uh well above george's general weight and pay grade <laughs> and pay grade probably yeah. oh well he was a he was a semi-successful real estate agent he wasn't the complete fuck up that we uh would that no one love. We know and love. Yeah. Ex Yankees assistant to the traffic secretary. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's all I had about the secondary characters. So yeah, me I think too. That's it for another week. I think that's it for another week. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, how about we take one more break and uh, we'll talk about a few Seinfeldisms, a couple from uh, the US when I went there. Yep. Uh, today's Seinfeld trivia, and uh, we guess we'll wrap up the episode. Sounds good. Yeah. This is, but I don't want to be a secondary character. A Seinfeld podcast where we talk about the greatest, or the we talk about the secondary characters, I should say, of the greatest show of all time. There, I got it. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing? How is everything? Good, good, good. <laughs> What's going on? I'm working hard. And you? Oh, you know, working around. Same stuff. <laughs> doing whatever. <laughs> You haven't been around in a while. I know. I know. Well, you know. You should come by. Definitely. I plan to. 
I'm not just saying that. <laughs> so we talked about Stephen, the Chinese restaurant from season two, one of the uh, classic episodes of Seinfeld, if not the first classic episode. That's right. Uh, now, every week, Steve, when we do review an episode, we put it in our top episodes of all time. So uh, out of the 63 episodes we've reviewed so far, so more of a third of the way there. Yeah. Jesus. Where does the Chinese restaurant sit for you? Uh, it's it's a number 16. 16? Yeah. All right, cool. Yep. yep. Nice. So in the top quarter percentile, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, well, I should say top quarter, top quotient is the correct term. Okay, whatever. There we go. <laughs> I like using fancy words. You sure do. <laughs> um, You're a fancy man. That's it. S. T. Pennypacker. <laughs> S. T. Pennypacker. Yes. You got your silver <laughs> IP, mine in Peru. I reckon IP's, I, I, IP. IP Pennypacker sounds good. How about IP Freely? Like IP seasons? Freely, yeah. IP Freely. Nice. Is there an IP Freely? Come on, guys. IP Freely. <laughs> you sure do. You sure do. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't rate it as highly as a lot of people generally do and yeah. a lot of uh, best of lists that you see online and uh, whatnot, but uh, definitely a classic episode. Yeah. Uh, I do like the episodes that are set outside of the normal set pieces. You do, the bottleneck like episodes, yeah. Uh, yeah, the bottleneck episodes like the pen and the limo. They're both in my top 10. Uh, and if you want to see my top 10, just check out the show notes uh, of this episode. Indeed. Same with me as well. Okay. Uh, for me, I really appreciate the episode for breaking ground. Yep. You know, like, you know, when you watch it now, it's still funny. Like, it's still very good. Um, but you, like you, I, I wouldn't put it in my top five or even my yeah. top ten. Uh, for me, it's number 15. Yep. But I do like the story. I like how everything's set in real time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything happens minute by minute. And, yeah, like I mentioned, I really appreciate, um, you know, how significant the episode was. And at the time, it was really groundbreaking. So, I really I appreciate it for that. Yep. So, yeah. And still a very funny episode. Yeah, for like, sure. If it's on TV again, I'll watch it. Definitely. You know? It's good. I think um, other than Bruce... None of the secondaries were very memorable. No, um, you know they're all just they all just serve their purpose for 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 the plot. That's right. Um, I think if Bruce was in it a bit more, or if there was a, a more notable secondary character, because we sort of talk from that from that point of view, that's our focus. I think I would have ranked it maybe in the top ten, yeah, sure. or close to maybe eleven, twelve, sure. Uh, but because the yeah, because the only real secondary character of note is Bruce, and he's not even in it that much, and he's not even that funny. Like he doesn't have any funny lines, or you know, he's not. Memorable. It's not a classic secondary. That's why it ranks a touch lower mm. than uh, what it would normally for me. Yeah. I actually ranked uh, Bruce in my top 20 secondary characters. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, for me, he's number 18. Oh, well, there at, you go. At first, I thought he was a prick, but then, like, he's just so focused, like I mentioned earlier, he's focused on the business work and stuff. It, it That's like the humour. The humour is like nothing phases him. Yep. You know, I, I really like that. And he's yep. like the opposite of the soup Nazi. Yep. You know. You know, it's just funny. Yep. Um, so he's number 18. He knocks off uh, from the keys the biker, oh, the actor who played Little yep, John. Yep, yep. Yeah. I like him. So, yeah, he was. he's just out of my top 20. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, you'll be able to see my top 10 in the show notes. Yep. Uh, none of the characters from the Chinese restaurant entered my top 10 uh, or 20. Okay. But uh, if you want to see uh, our top 10s, uh, like Ivan said, just check the show notes uh, for the show. Uh, uh, Seinfeldia, yes. So today's, so Seinfeldia, I should say, uh, we have a desktop calendar of Seinfeld trivia facts that Stephen got at the start of the year, and uh, I'm reading the day that we record. So today is Tuesday, November 13. So if you're on Patreon, you're listening to this episode from the 15th of November, but for everyone else, it's the week after. So there you go. During the show's final years, making Jerry Seinfeld laugh became the primary goal of the young writers' lives. 
They would have been thrilled to get a Seinfeld laugh at any time in their lives, but now, with him as the sole voice of authority on which scripts were made, it became crucial. Seinfeld was tough to find in a calm enough moment for a pitch, and even harder to keep interesting for very long, or interested, sorry, for very long. He was always distracted by the million parts of his job, writing, memorising lines, producing the entire show. Once you nailed it with Seinfeld, however, the resulting script tended to be smooth sailing. Hmm. He was the gatekeeper. He sure was. Especially for seasons eight and nine. Yeah. Indeed. Yep, without Larry there. Mm -hmm. He was the the tick of approval you needed. He sure was. Yes. Seinfeldisms. What have you got? Uh, Well, you start. You've been to the land of Seinfeld. I Um, have not, so I think you should start. Okay, well, there's been a few Seinfeldisms. I probably had a good half a dozen Seinfeldisms, but there were two that really stood out in my mind. Mm. Uh, The first one, so I was in LA for one of my legs of the trip, and I was with um, my partner, my cousin, and his wife. So we were driving around LA, and we were on the way to Hollywood. And he goes, oh, I want to show you something on the way. So we pulled into a, in Koreatown, and we pulled over. And he looked at me and said, do you recognize that building right there, the, the Shelby or the Shelley? Like the Shelley Hotel or the Shelley um, apartment building? Yep. I looked at it, and I said, that looks really familiar. And he goes, that's the uh, exterior of the Seinfeld building on the show. And I was like, whoa, are you serious? So I took selfies and stuff under it. I was there for like 10 minutes taking photos. Nice. (laughs) Was there anyone else there or was there a monument or anything like that? Nah, it was just me. Okay. Yeah, no, there was no monuments or anything. Hmm. No. Or even little signs? No. I I didn't want to bother the neighbours or anything, though, so I only stayed for like 10 minutes. I'm sure the whoever lives there has probably gotten a few dings on their (laughs) their, uh, their buzzer. They probably have, No, Jerry doesn't live here. It was a fictional show. It ended in 1998. Exactly. Go away, please. Indeed, indeed. Um, you know how in America, it's not that common here, but in America and Europe, how they've got the names. They do, yes. Uh, next to the buzzers mm-hmm. in the front door. Yeah. Like their names, instead of like being Smith or whatever, you know, whoever lives there is just not Seinfeld. <laughs> not Seinfeld, not Jerry. <laughs> yeah, not Jerry. And un-Jerry. <laughs> please piss off. <laughs> please piss off. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it was a really nice surprise though, because I didn't know it was in LA. Yeah. Building, so I was like, oh, thanks, man. So yeah. It was on the way to Hollywood. Nice. So he's like, have take some photos. Yeah, really thoughtful of your awesome. cousin and his wife. Yeah, it was awesome. Was was Janine your partner in on it too? Janina, oh no, she didn't know. Okay, yeah. just your cousin and his yeah, wife. Yeah, and his wife. Yeah. Nice, that's, that's awesome. It was awesome. Oh, I like it. Yeah. You have another one from the US? I do, yes. So I was in LAX. I went to LA a couple of times. Well, I, I went to LAX once to go to Los Angeles, um, but then I flew again to LA to go back to Australia. So once I went to LAX, I went out of the airport, and once I went to LAX, I stayed in the airport to go home. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go anywhere. Um, the, the time when we went to LAX to go to LA, you know, I was a bit hungry, so I went to the cafeteria, or the, um, you know, the food court, whatever you want to call it, and they had a cafe, and they had a sign with, like, a cup of coffee on it, and the name of the coffee joint was Joey Kramer's. Joey Kramer's. Joey Kramer's, and it's like, come in for nice. a Joey Kramer's. Yeah. Joey Kramer's, and it was, I think it might have been a latte, like what Kramer drank when, since he was in the fifth grade. Nice. So, yeah. Nice little Seinfeldism there as well. Not as good as the, the Shelley, but, no. you know, something. Still very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like them both. It's a nice one. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I have one Seinfeldism. A few happened uh, over, over our season four to five break, but nothing really noteworthy, just a few little mentions in conversation and stuff. Yeah. Well, the one that really stood out, uh, I was in Tasmania last week with a friend, and uh, I was driving down the highway at 110 k's. Oh, sorry, he was. Oh, God. And uh, I was just staring out the window. I think we were talking. And because uh, I was in a new place, I hadn't been to Tassie before. I was paying a lot of attention to the signs and, you know, just what was around me. And there was a sign. It was an exit off the highway. And the sign said Dalrymple Road this oh, way. Oh, Russell Dalrymple. Yeah. Nice. And I said to Andy, nice. I'm like, who? Are, that's my friend who I was with. I was like, Andy, stop. And he goes, what? What's wrong? And I'm like, 
just turn around. And he goes, what, do we hit something? Like, you know, there's a lot of roadkill in Tassie. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I'm like, no, dude, just turn around. So he's like, okay. And he, he like he did a U-turn in the middle of the highway because I, I sounded so urgent. I was like, <laughs> yeah. dude, stop, turn around. He thought that would He like, probably thought of something like really critical. Yeah, he thought like, that oh, would shit. hit something yeah, or yeah, someone. Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, but so you just he turned around. Side. Yeah, he turned around. And I'm like, pull up over there, and he goes, "Well, I can't get over there." I'm like, "Well, get over there then." And he, he eventually did. And I'm like, "No, pull up at this angle." Like I was, I wasn't explaining to him what we were doing. You were just so excited. You were like, ah, 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 <laughs> "Yeah," yes, yes. and I'm like, "Look, I, I need to show you what we're going to, and then I'll explain." Because if I explain <laughs> it beforehand, you'll just go, "What are you talking about?" Gotcha. So I took a photo of of the of the Dalrymple sign. Uh, it's Dalrymple Road which is just a road in Tassie. And then I explained to him about Russell Dalrymple and blah, blah, blah. Nice. So uh, that was that was neat. Really cool. I appreciated that. Yeah, rest in peace, Dalrymple. Yeah. <laughs> He's floating in the ocean somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I run a, uh, a Seinfeld Instagram called Seinfeldisms where I post uh, real-life Seinfeldisms. Um, a lot of the mine and a lot of the yours, but I do get a lot of submissions from friends and a few from uh, followers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the comments I received uh, on that post, I think yesterday or the day before, said that uh, maybe Russell, he faked his death and he turned up in Tassie and now he's got a new life. Oh, maybe. You know, and he, and he, it was like a local, you know, a, a local person of note, you know. He's like, like a, a politician, politician or, or whatever. Or and he, had a, he had a road named after him. <laughs> Probably. I, so I appreciated that. that. That's cool. That was cool. Really cool. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. So, yeah, that's another episode of Bidwabas done and dusted. Uh, my name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And uh, you can catch us on social media at Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. Patreon, if you want to give us monies and get some goodies. Patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. And uh, next week, Stephen, we're going to season nine. We're talking about The Maid. Nice. Yeah. Yes. I haven't seen this episode in a long time. Yeah, me either. Yep, this is where Jerry's rooting is made, right? Probably, yeah. I yeah, think so, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I can't remember this episode. Yeah. I can, but not, not a lot about it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to delving back into it as well. That's it. Thank you very much to you for your support, as always. If you would like to leave us a review on iTunes or any other podcast service, one star, five star, anything in between, whatever you feel, that would be wonderful. We'd love to get your feedback, and uh, thanks again for your support, as always. That's right, and uh, yeah, we look forward to a ripper season. And uh, also another mention of our uh, B podcast that's available on Patreon to two dollar more two dollar or more a month subscribers, uh, where we each week will be literally making uh, making a whole season as it like the tenth season of Seinfeld. That's, yeah, the hypothetical tenth season set twenty years after the events of the finale, and this podcast will be called Season Ten. That's right. So yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Like we're not going to write, we're not going to read you like full scripts. Yep. But you know, we're going to have like the plot and some details, maybe some quotes and uh, some old and new secondary characters That's right. making appearances. If you want to get a taste or an idea of where we're at and uh, how we'll approach it week to week, uh, go back and listen to the prologue. It's sort of the pre-season. It's like episode zero and it's just setting the stage and filling the gaps from 98 when they got out of prison until 2018 when our season 10 picks up. Uh, and you'll get an idea of sort of what what we've assumed has happened in the last 20 years for the Core 4 and a few other characters, and uh, that'll that'll set you up nicely for the Season 10 episodes, which come out uh, as of next week. Indeed, in line with the Chinese restaurant. That's right. If you're not with Patreon. Yes, thanks again, and uh, we're going to see you next week. Oh!